Hi, and welcome to the 29th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Women in Construction. I will be speaking with Susanna Nicholl, MBE, Chief Executive of Build UK, who shares her career journey and discusses ways to open up the construction sector to diverse new talent through innovation and working differently. As ever, we'll be hearing from Womanthology's Associate Editor, Ines Santos, about the stories in the written issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website, that's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have got Susanna Nicol, MBE, who is Chief Executive at Build UK. How are you doing, Susanna? I'm good. Thank you very much, Fiona. And you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for joining us. So without further ado, we will get started, if that's okay. I'm all yours. Marvellous. So Susanna, I'm going to start off by asking you about your educational background and career to date. What's your story? I think I probably had a fairly conventional education. I went to my local primary school. I went to a a comprehensive secondary school. And I think I probably quite enjoyed school. I'm a good all-rounder. I'm not particularly fantastic at anything, but I'm not particularly bad at anything. So I quite enjoyed school. Whilst I was at school, we were offered the opportunity for work experience. I think those were back in the days when it was actually the whole school had two years work experience when you're in sixth form. I did a week in a children's nursery because I thought I might want to work with children. Trust me, a week in a children's nursery soon paid to that. I enjoyed it, but knew it just was not for me. And then a friend's dad offered me a week's work experience in an estate agent. And funny enough, I found my mom's just giving me a load of paperwork. She's obviously having a clear out. And in there was the letter agreeing my week's work experience. It was a lovely find because during that week's work experience, he took me out onto a construction site with new homes. They were building new houses. I can picture it now. And we walked out onto the site, you know, me probably tripping alongside him. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in that environment. I think it was the sounds. It was the smells. They were creating and building homes, something that you probably didn't now we all drive past a new housing site I don't recall doing that so I just knew I wanted to do something in construction and I went home and said to my dad who was a serving police officer and said scrap the children thing I'm not interested in doing that and I was looking at nursing my mom was a nurse said I really want to do something in construction and bless him he kind of went right okay And clearly this is the days before the internet. So you couldn't just go and Google what jobs are in construction. So I wrote off to a number of construction companies asking if they would sponsor me. Um, Again, I've got no idea how I knew that was a thing, but I wrote off it. I was really lucky. I got offered the opportunity to be sponsored by two different companies, both of whom are around today. One was Wilmot Dixon, who I've still got a soft spot for. The one I took was with an organisation called the Lovell Group. 
uh, which still exists as part of a, a, a larger construction group. And basically they said, well, we'll sponsor you. We give you £900 a year, which doesn't sound very much now, but that I think doubled my annual income to go off to university we will help you with anything that you need and we will give you work experience during every summer holiday so that was just amazing i did my degree at liverpool university in construction management and i loved that i think there were just three girls on the course one of them who's still uh, one of my best friends but every summer i got put on a site as part of the site management team. And again, depending on what site manager I had, how much responsibility I was given. I was out on site in my hard hat and boots, you know, pouring concrete, taking levels. One of my jobs was to read whether a building next to our construction site was moving and I had to climb up on the steelwork and plug in all these devices. Nobody ever told me what to do if it was moving. I just knew I had to measure it and write the numbers down in my book. But that was a fantastic experience because I'd go back to university and I'd visualised and I'd felt and I'd experienced what we were learning on our course. So when you're talking about things like reinforcing bar or excavators or cranes, you can visualise it because I've stood on it, I've seen it, I've loaded it up. So it was fantastic. And I owe my career to that sponsorship. The whole company, when I left university, then kind of adopt you. You were one of their graduates. So you became quite personal to everybody that you met or touched throughout the company, whether you went on a site. They knew you as one of their cohort of graduates. They also sent me and the other graduates on an outward bound course, which again, it's all that stuff that builds up your resilience, that that challenges you, that makes you think differently, tests just what you are capable of. And I met a great bunch of people there um, as well. So I worked for them on a construction site as a site engineer, and I was really lucky. I hate to say this, had a really lazy site engineer and a fantastic project manager. So I got to do all the engineering. I got to do all the setting out. I got to manage subcontractors. And with the support of my manager, he was just absolutely awesome. There were issues on site. There was one uh, chap who was particularly unpleasant. And the other guys didn't really know what to do about it. I was still a rarity back in those days as a, a female on site. So I think they kind of were on my side, but didn't want to fall out with this guy. They didn't know where I sat in the parking lot. My manager said, he's not welcome on our site, go and tell him to leave. And he stood outside the site office at the top of the steps and watched me, a little five foot four of me, trip down the steps, go over to this chap and say, look, you know, the site manager says you're not welcome on this site. And he looked around and all the other men were standing there with their arms folded looking at him. And my site manager just literally nodded at him and said, she's absolutely right, you're not welcome on this site. And I think that that was one of those other things that just made a little bit of me, that confidence. But I owe that to my site manager, who is a chap called James Gaffney. He's still around in the industry. So that's where I started my love for and career in construction on that site, um, which I walk past every time I'm in that part of London. I will walk past and I say, you know, I, I built that. Wow, wow. And how wonderful that that colleague took that approach and was supportive in that way, because that could have gone either way, that situation, couldn't it? I think it's one of those. It could have gone either way and could have gone in lots of different ways. And it taught me a really valuable lesson, both in terms of he could have done it, 
but he supported me doing it. He gave me that authority. He didn't just send me off to do it. He stood there and watched, so it was clear it had got my backing. So what it actually did was cement with the other subcontractors on site who were again, all men, that the site manager had confidence in me. And he must have been winging it. I must have been about, you know, 22, fresh out of university. But it, I think I learned a really important lesson about vesting authority and how you develop respect from others in other people. It's that, I, I was like, it's putting your hand out and helping that next person. It's not just opening the door for them and putting the ladder down, whatever uh, phraseology you use. You put out your hand and you pull that next person up. And I've had people like him dotted through my career who've just always gone that little bit further. And I would say they've kind of put their arms around me and helped you. They haven't just told you how to do it. They've actually been part of making it happen. Uh, so you're right, you know, he, he could, that chap could have kicked off. The others could have disliked me for doing that. I was sending somebody away from their workplace. Fortunately, it didn't, and I'm here to tell the tale. <laughs> Well, I'm very, very glad. And so do you want to give us a bit of, in terms of how you got to where you are today? Whilst I was with Lovell as the graduate, they offer you the opportunity to go in a number of different places in the company. And I wasn't really sure. I knew I didn't want to go into the surveying department. All the surveyors were now saying, why would you not want to come and join us? I knew I didn't want to do that. I'd been into the office and it was quite office focused. And I, I am an outdoor girl. And I saw the visiting safety manager come out to site and we walked around the site told us what we we're doing wrong and then cleared off and I thought well, that looks that looks good I'm sure I could give that a well so I asked to go into the safety department and they'd never had anybody asked to go into the safety department before certainly back then it, it wasn't quite the all-embracing welcoming department that I think it, it, it is now and the manager there a chap called Jason Rowley who was another little part of the jigsaw of my career he said I've got no idea what we'll do with you but you're welcome and I think in that first week one of his existing safety managers handed in his notice I'm hoping it wasn't to do with me and so he called me back in and said how do you fancy a job and he increased my salary and he, he offered me a company car because you moved off the graduate program into a job and I thought well what's the worst that could happen so I took that and he sent me on a 10-week residential course down at Brooklyn's, the car place, where you get um, sheep dipped, immersed in all things health and safety, the legal side of it, the practical side of it. We went up to the industries training college. So you're at the top of a crane. You're doing really practical stuff that really floats my boat. And I came out of there with the right qualifications back then to become a practicing health and safety professional. And again, I loved that out and about on site, helping people do the right thing, even in a time when you weren't particularly welcome on site as a health and safety manager. But again, the people seem to embrace me as having come up through the company and were really helpful. So I enjoyed doing that for quite a few years. Probably can't have been that long, actually, because I was made redundant, but fortunately got a job in another company, major contractor. They're not around eating quite that guys anymore. Didn't enjoy that quite so much. It was a big company. I think that's where I knew I like working with people in a team where you can really make the difference rather than being one person in a company of thousands. It's much more difficult to get things done, to change things. So that taught me a lesson. Again, just added to that bit of finding your sweet spot. 
I then went to work for the Construction Confederation, which represented the industry. And I've been in trade associations now ever since then. So that's coming up something like about 25 years, something like that. I worked for the Construction Confederation. I then worked, I moved to run the specialists organisation, which was looking after trade associations and specialist contractors. And then seven years ago, we started the journey to bring together the whole contracting supply chain. And I was absolutely delighted and privileged to oversee the merger between the major contractors group and the National Specialist Contractors Council brought them together, which created a a kind of super organisation in Build UK, which clients then came to join and professional services came to join and other people said, this is the kind of place we want to be. So we've been running that for just six years. And and if we are imagining you on a day-to-day basis, and I'm sure every day is probably quite different, but if we are imagining you on a day-to-day basis, what sort of things are we imagining you doing? I am absolutely lucky. And again, the last two years clearly have been completely out of this world for everybody, I think. So my day can involve talking to the latest construction minister about what we're looking for him to do. It can be creating a policy to transform the industry. So we're currently rolling out what's called the common assessment standard, which will massively reduce the amount of paperwork for companies and save the industry a billion pounds a year. We built that whole system. So my day can be wrestling with, should we ask this question or not, to how is it audited, to then say to contractors, you now need to adopt it. It can be talking to government departments about how we want to change procurement policy, how we want to do things differently. I was out last night, a massive industry dinner with a thousand people. So it will be talking to people about what's happening in their business. What do they need us to do differently? And we're a small business. So when I'm in the office, it can also mean putting the kettle on and making a cup of tea. Hosting meetings, you know, we've all done Zoom meetings now. We're uh, bringing together 40 chief executives having a conversation at a really senior level down to on Friday, we had a query from one of our trade bodies who got what I think they thought was quite a thorny problem sitting on the outside. We just went, I can see what you need to do. And I think this would help. And they went, oh, of course, we'd not thought about that. So sometimes it's just looking at something from a different angle and and trying to help solve problems. So very varied. From literally from hour to hour, let alone from day to day. But you strike me as somebody who's got that helicopter view and it's maybe quite a good connector of people as well. So if somebody's trying to achieve something in one part of the industry, you, you strike me as somebody who'd be quite good to go to to say, well, I need to do this. <laughs> who, who else is doing this or how do I do this? Yes, I think that is actually a huge part of my job. I don't have anywhere near all the answers but I will often know who will have or who's been through it or who's doing well. And I'm a big advocate. If somebody's doing something brilliantly, then we need to scale that up. Why would you want to go through all that trauma of finding out what works when somebody's doing it really, really well? So uh, yeah, a, a connector of people. Some people would say, or oh, my little black book of people. And I think one of the things I, I do like to think I'm quite good at is if you tell me what the issue is, I will know who should have the answer. And I hopefully I've got their phone number. And if I don't, I'll go and find it because I'll know somebody else who's got their phone number. And, and I often say in my day job, sometimes my, my job isn't to have the answers. It's just to pour the water in the right room because the other people have the answers. I just need to make sure they're asking the right questions. 
And we touched a little bit on COVID, but in terms of how that's impacted on, on what you do. <laughs> it was one of those things where we always had a vision of what Build UK should do to transform the industry, how it could bring the right people together. And we'd been in operation for about four and a half years when COVID hit. And overnight, we just were able to do exactly what we've been set up to do. So the thing that was really amazing was we didn't have to go, oh, what should we do here? We were set up to do exactly that. So we overnight got out the industry site operating procedures. We explained to all of our members that if we wanted construction to stay open, we really need to demonstrate to government we've got safe procedures, we were consistent, and the most effective way to keep everybody safe and everybody working was if we all did the same thing and we did it well. And because of the systems we'd got up, because of the way we'd work with our members, because of the way we approach things with the system approach, we, we almost flipped a switch overnight and just did our stuff. And we did that nonstop. We're still doing that. As an example, sites couldn't get the people on site. They couldn't have the same number of people on site, but they still had to meet their programmes of work. So listening to them, it was, all oh, right, you need longer site hours. We went and got a written ministerial statement. We then got the legislation that extended the site hours. I think we turned that around in about a week. So we were able to go back to our members and said, we understood what you want. We've got extended site hours. This is what you do about them and we did that on so many things whether it was when we're all learning about testing we're all learning about what self-isolation and we did that particularly we came back after Christmas and there was a threat that they would shut down sites in London because of the tube network construction workers and health workers were the two cohorts of people on the tube and they were on it at the same time and the tube was very restricted they had social distancing to manage they had people off sick and we were threatened with closure and I think it got to the brink but we brought all our members together we brought TFL together we identified that what you need is staggered site hours and we were able to change the site hours of every site in London wow. it, overnight yeah. which immediately removed pressure on the network we got our uh, top 10 tips to travel to work without using public transport we got posters out to sites saying to people this is why we're asking you to do it and they just responded brilliantly. And I like to think that is because we were really clear with the ask, but we did that. My heart still races faster when I think of putting that meeting together. It was kind of a, an emergency summons. You need to be on this call. And we did it and the pressure relieved on the network overnight. And TFL were literally able to come back and say, you've, you've done it. We've relieved the pressure. Construction workers are now traveling. at different. They could identify where the bottlenecks were. So we could talk to individual sites and say, you have to get people to change at a different station. It was that detailed. And we just did that at pace for 18 months. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it. But that was really fortunate for them that your health and safety background, I'm sure that you would have found a way as an organization, but it, it worked out really well with your particular skill set. I think it's a lot of these things are all a team effort, aren't they? It's about having a critical thinker on your team, somebody who questions and challenges. I've got construction experience, clearly not as much as all of our members, but then I can go to them and it's back to that knowing the right person. So when you bring that skill set together, I, I have a, a, a fabulous deputy and we've got very complimentary skill sets. And she's uh, also a woman. 
She is also a woman. Uh, three out of my four senior management team are women. Our gender pay gap is fantastic in the right direction. <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, I can tell you. But you're right. It's bringing the right skills to it. So health and safety knowledge is always handy. Industry knowledge is always handy. But you bring all that together, and and, and that's the team because everybody brings a bit of something. Absolutely. And how can construction play a role in UK government's build back better agenda? It really depends by quite what it means by build back better and levelling up and better, faster, greener or faster, better, greener. Construction is all around us. We cannot run our lives without the construction sector. And I always say when I'm talking to, to students, when you flush your toilet, that is construction in action because you just look at the process that goes through back to turning on your tap and getting fresh water out. Construction has enabled that. Where you go to school, your hospital, your road. So construction just will create the infrastructure that we use, rely on to live our lives. So I think that the exciting bit for me is the whole levelling up agenda, which I think just means giving everybody, wherever they are in the country, the opportunity to better themselves and their circumstances so it's having good jobs across the whole country it's having good schooling across the whole country you shouldn't be disadvantaged by where you live for not having access to the same healthcare treatment as somebody else if you create opportunity for it construction does that if you can't get from your town to work because there isn't a road network then you are never going to be able to compete or have the opportunity that others with a better road network have and construction just creates all of that we put the roads down for the buses the train tracks for the trains the hospitals for us all to get better even if it's something local in your community like a community center that's being built construction has a hand in that some of it we can see loads of it you don't see wi-fi networks are essentially somebody digs a trench for the cable to go in so we have a huge opportunity i think the challenge for construction is doing that in the most efficient way Absolutely. And, and on what are the current figures for gender balance like in construction and how are these changing? So I'm conscious I might be putting you on the spot a bit here. Um, not great is probably the unfortunate answer. So I sit on the Women's Business Council as the construction representative and it was reformed about two years ago where they looked at the four sectors with the worst gender pay gap and construction is there. And we are not there because we don't offer opportunities to women and we're not there because we don't pay women fairly. We are there and we have a not a great gender pay gap because we don't have women at senior levels because they don't make it through the ranks in construction generally. So I I actually see that as that it is what it is. It's what we do about it is both interesting and key so one of the pieces of work we've just done and covid massively helped here we had just started working with an organization called timewise on flexible working and i'm huge advocate of flexible working i've got a 16 year old so when i came back from maternity leave i knew i wanted to work but i knew i couldn't work full time there are not enough hours in a day to have a baby and work or certainly I found in my life Um, and flexible working enabled me to build back up all of my team have the opportunity to work flexibly many of the women in my team do work flexibly my whole senior management team do and they've all come back after having their children and I think that is because of flexible working in construction it's not easy 
we have about 14% women in the industry, about 2% in frontline operational roles. That dial hasn't shifted in 20 years. So all the fantastic stuff we do supporting women is great, but it's not shifting the dial. It's not bringing them up through the ranks where they join. Because I think in some companies they join about 50, 50, 50 men, 50 women coming through their graduate programs on their apprenticeship programs. They just get lost on the way up. So we have to change that. And we have to do it in numerous different ways. It's not a one size fits all. There is a fantastic new mentoring circle set up by a lady called um, Vanessa Murray from Stanhope, which is bringing together women in senior positions with women just starting out on their careers. But I'm a mentor on that myself. And I was talking to one of the mentors last night, a fabulous lady called Zoe Price, who is a senior operational director for construction for, for ISG. And we are both just overwhelmed and, and in awe of how we're able to help our mentees in ways that we didn't think possible just by giving them somebody to talk to we have to change the way our industry does things like golf days I'm not saying we shouldn't do those we've just got to make it more inclusive we've got to make it a nicer place for everybody to work if you make it a nicer place for everybody to work then more people come more women come more minorities come and overall you are pulling in a much more diverse workforce, which benefits us all. And you mentioned the link back with COVID as well, but it's really difficult to get childcare. So what happened during COVID is sites had to think very differently. They had to start and finish at different times because a lot of people had childcare responsibilities. You can't even remember, can you? The kids were at home all day, every day, homeschooling. So Everybody, men and women, suddenly had to do things very differently. Your normal routines didn't work. We were allowed less people on site. So sites became more organised, but they also then had to work differently. So they had to plan better. And what they started to realise was we've always been a really traditional seven in the morning culture to seven at night, often trying to get deliveries into site, often because people travel a long way, often because it's just traditional and culture. And they started to realise that it didn't have to be that way, that if you were organised and thought about it differently, and it might be resequencing your work, um, you could have people on site at different times. Indeed, for many sites, they actually said they were getting more done and they were more productive because people weren't falling over themselves. Because when people came on site, the materials had to be there and they had to do their job because they'd only got a a particular time slot to do it whereas in the old days you turn up at seven and if your materials didn't arrive till 10 then that's a waste of somebody's three hours or if you couldn't get to your work face because the previous person was there or it took longer because you were falling over each other so actually they started to think differently so we had on our flexible working project what people would probably envisage as a typical construction site manager with his arm folded saying this will never work on our site love by the end of it, he was the one saying, this is amazing. I will take this on every project with me. I would take a flexible working contract over a better paid contract. I get people more invested in the job because when they get here, they use productively. They don't waste time because they want to finish early or they want to start later. And what they actually did was work it out as a team. We're quite hierarchical in construction often because we have to be, because we're not very well organised. So you have to tell people what to do. When you give control to a team and say, right, we've got to get this done this week. What's the smartest way of doing it? 
actually they worked out, you know, Bob needs to leave at three. Jane wants to come in at 10. Actually, Ted doesn't mind working all day Friday. Once you work all that out, everybody could have that little bit of flexibility because it isn't a one. It isn't, you know, changing everybody's work hours because that doesn't work on construction. But it is. What have we got to do? When has that got to happen? How do we now organise ourselves around it? It's a bit of a bit of a head switch and, and COVID. Well, flipped everything on its head, didn't it? I think we've all we've all completely changed our lives over the last 18 months. Hopefully a lot of it for the better. Yeah. But that power of linking things up as well. A lot of it is. We throw a lot of words around like diversity and inclusion. And when people don't understand what they are, it's easy to shut down and not change what you do and say, oh, it's all a load of nonsense. It won't change my life. I think we have to use different words and we have to explain what better looks like. Everybody has to win. So it's no good telling somebody that they've got to have a more diverse first workforce when all he thinks is I'm going to get a load of people who don't know anything about construction. If you actually talk about, you know, well, these are all your problems. You've got groupthink and nobody ever does anything different and nobody asks a different question or nobody looks at it from a different, a different way. Once you start to explain inclusion, actually, some of that's just a nicer, fairer workplace. It's where people aren't unpleasant to each other. It's where you've got wash facilities that are clean. And that's one thing, again, COVID has massively improved on site. But I can't imagine there's many men who want to go to toilet facilities that aren't very nice on site. I always used to say as a health and safety professional, when I'm in an office, I have beautiful toilet facilities and hand washing facilities when I might get a few pencil sharpenings on my finger tips. Out on site, these guys are, they're working hard. It's quite sweaty. You're dirty. You don't want to sit on the train afterwards looking like, you've been face down in concrete all day or pouring concrete all day you'd actually like to have the opportunity to clean up um, and wash your hands and not take that home so this is about making a better environment for everybody who would disagree with that it's often because they don't understand it or they think their life will be made worse whereas this is about leveling up in the workplace it's about bringing everybody up it's not about if you bring more women in or more minorities in or more different people in it pushes you out. We've got a skill shortage. There is enough room for everybody who wants to join our industry. We are not pushing anybody out by bringing a different part of society in. And I think sometimes when you explain that in different languages, people go, yeah, you know, now, now you say it like that, it makes sense. Who doesn't want to go to work and at least come home at the end of the day and go, you know what, I had quite a good day. I achieved something. I can now go back to my family and I can do something. I've worked hard to pay for the nice thing I'm going to do now, whether it's putting your feet up in front of the telly, you know, I'm going after playing netball, whatever it is. Who really wants to go home and say, I've had an awful day. Nobody was very nice to me. I didn't achieve the thing I wanted to. Everything was late. I got shouted at. Basically, I've had a rubbish day. Who wants that? That'll be nobody. <laughs> well, I would think it's nobody. Um, <laughs> So I'm getting a really good sense of, of, of things moving forward. What I would really love is that anybody who wants to come and work in construction can see their place in it. And that doesn't mean that we have to have 50% of scaffolders are women. Because, I, you know, I, I don't think that will ever happen. But what I do want, if there are people out there who aren't your traditional scaffolders, say, do you know what, that, that really floats my boat. We should 
find we should be able to ensure that they can come in and they can participate and be part of the industry and that we make the best use of people's skills and I it's when people look at me and I go I work in construction and they kind of go really and you're you want to say but it's so much bigger than roadworks and traffic cones which is what people see as construction we run a um program each year called open doors where we open up our sites our member sites across the country we've just run it and we get new entrants and school kids and people in their local area to go along and i actually went along i get to choose which side to go along to which is great i went along to the, with the uh, building a new road near us it's actually they're modifying um an a road that i drive along not every day but certainly between us as a family two or three days a week and even i found it fascinating just to go behind and him explain why they were doing it all the sustainable things they were doing there was a badger tunnel underneath it they were relocating snails the value of that construction whilst it's a pain for about a year because there's you know traffic lights where you don't expect them to be diversions but when they open it it's going to be glorious and it's creating a better environment because they're planting all these trees they're making the roads safer it's a win-win all round and i would just love us to find a way to show everybody that construction can enhance their lives and that it does make a better world for all of us and there's a great opportunity for anybody who wants to work in construction we do everything you great designing websites we need websites you want to get down and dirty doing a bit of engineering out on site we've got that too i think that's what i would really like is people to look at the world around them and just think somebody built this i wonder how they did it and i wonder how i can get involved Absolutely. And finally, Susanna, what is coming up next for you? What are you excited about? I'm not sure whether I'm getting too excited about Christmas this year because let's hope it actually happens. Uh, although we did have a lovely with a uh, uh, neat little family, we we did have a nice Christmas. So what what are we excited? Next year for us as Build UK, I am really excited about. We've spent the last two years demonstrating with the industry that the industry can do things differently. that it is vital to people's lives and particularly for me we've all learned i think we always knew it but we've lived and breathed it that the more we talk and share as an industry the better we can become and the industry has been notoriously people don't share i i could talk about that possibly because there aren't enough women and we possibly overshare at times but people have become very protective about their own business plan and how they do it and i want to say let's take out all the waste by doing all the stuff that we all have to do together and we can actually deliver the leveling up agenda for government i think that's a huge opportunity for the industry and for us as build uk our role is making sure that we've got the right contracts to do that that we've got the right training system in place to do that that we've got the right industry cards scheme to do that that we recruit the 43,000 young people we need each year into our industry and a big one for me by the end of next year i would love that every company is confident that delivering a cracking apprenticeship i think companies really want to in, uh, employ apprentices they really want to employ that next generation when they want to pass on their love and passion for construction it's a bit difficult to do that at the moment so that's my personal target over the next year is that by the end of next year everybody who wants an apprentice finds it a really easy journey and we're bringing on through that whole of that next generation of engineers construction workers and i hope there's a lot more than 14% women in there too i think with you at the helm i think we're going to move everything forward i defy anybody not to be really energized i don't want to say say inspired because i think that's maybe a bit overused but i defy anybody not to be energized by 
he- hearing what you've got to say. So would it be okay? Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely true. Would it be okay for us to stay in touch with you and follow what's going on, follow your progress? Because we're just interested. I'd be absolutely delighted. And I, I think you become another part of that jigsaw, don't you? Because I can't do this on my own. This isn't about me. It's not about my team. It's not about me. This is about everybody saying, what do I do differently tomorrow that's going to move us all forward? That's the bit that really excites me. Everybody wants to win. What will make our life better tomorrow if I do something different today? Well, I think that is a, a brilliant place to leave it. So I'm going to say thank you so much, Susanna Nicholl, MBE, Chief Executive of Build UK. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure, Fiona. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ines Santos. I am the Associate Editor of Womanpology and I am here to tell you all about our new Women in Construction issue. The stories include Alice Graham, Quantity Surveyor at Faithful and Gold, talks about learning what quantity surveying was from one of her mom's best friends, a quantity surveyor herself. Alice shares her perceptions of privilege and considers how diverse minds find solutions quicker in construction. Christina Dimitriou, Tipa driver, describes how she worked her way through her heavy goods vehicle license qualifications. She also talks about the ways construction careers can be made more appealing to women and her aspirations to support more women to enter the industry. Amina Shafiq, Senior Water Quality Advisor at Severn Trent, tells us how she created a personal protective equipment-specific hijab after finding that her headscarf was always an issue when dressing in PPE for site visits. She talks about building on the success of the PPE headscarf to encourage more open conversations surrounding diversity and inclusivity. Samantha Turner-West, HR manager at Tower Crane's company, Wolfcran, talks us through her journey studying while working full-time. Samantha explains how she didn't have to choose between being a mom and having a career. She did both. She battled illness and adversity before going on to graduate as a Master of Science. She shares how she found her own version of success. Finally, Rasha Albadri, an engineer at Downer in Australia, discusses her incredible life, explaining how she fled Iraq, settled in Australia, and flourished in engineering. She discusses recognition with an achievement award at the recent Australian National Association of Women in Construction Awards event. Do check out our website, womanphology.co.uk to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app all for now but join us in the next episode where we mark international day of persons with disabilities